I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. And this is What's Next. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White, and joining me today is a returning guest, the president and CEO of the Northland Workforce Training Center, Stephen Tucker. Stephen, thanks for being on with us again. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, Last time you were on, you dispelled some myths about manufacturing, one of them being that manufacturing is dead in this area. But you would argue, no, advanced manufacturing is alive and well here. Definitely alive and well. Um, We are projecting to need to fill around 20,000 job openings in the advanced manufacturing sector over the next 10 years. Um, In addition to the high number of jobs, these jobs average salaries around $70,000 per year. Um, We currently have 3,000 job openings that are unfilled today for machinists, for welders, for mechatronics technicians, for electricians. So um, not only is it alive and well, it's actually thriving and we're having a, a, a rebound. Let's talk growth for a minute. Uh, Northland has been up and running for over half a decade now, since 2018. Congratulations on that, by Thank the way. Thank you. That sounds really funny, half a decade. But uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe. Um, where have you seen growth? in the training center from where it first began? So I think, you know, the growth that we've experienced um, over the past five years really has been putting the whole plan together. Uh, When I started, it was a one-man show, uh, myself and a board. We had a business plan. We had to work with negotiating agreements with our partners, Alfred State, SUNY Erie Community College. Uh, We also partnered with uh, the Buffalo Urban League, Catholic Charities, Goodwill Industries, the Buffalo Niagara Manufacturing Alliance. We opened our doors in 2018. Since that time, we've enrolled more than 1,000 individuals. Uh, We've graduated a high percentage of those individuals and placed over 82% in jobs. So we've experienced significant growth, not only with our enrollment, but with our staff and our partnerships as well. Has the curriculum changed at all? And if so, how? The curriculum mainly stayed the same. The only curriculum that we have changed um, was our mechatronics program. Mm -hmm. Um, With our mechatronics program, we wanted to really focus on the technical components of the program and not necessarily the general education components. And that was really intentional. Everything we do is driven and influenced by business and industry. Some of our partners, they are our end users, partners like Tesla, Fresenius Cobby, General Mills, General Motors, um, PCB, Piezotronics, they are the ones that's actually hiring the graduates, and they worked with us along with the Buffalo Niagara Manufacturing Alliance to help ensure that our curriculum was aligned with their needs. So that was the main change with the the program so far to date, Um, and we're very satisfied with where we're at right now. And I wanted to come back around to, like, another myth that this is this is college. 
Yeah. This is maybe not like okay, I went to school for journalism, right? And I'm do, and I'm doing that, but th- this these guys these 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 folks yes they've they've got they've got in class instruction they've got you know kind of like in the field instruction. Definitely. Can you get a little bit more into that? Yeah, this is definitely college. Uh, we partner with two outstanding SUNY universities, SUNY Erie Community College. The program that they offer at Northland is a one-year certificate in mechatronics. Mechatronics is just a fancy name for uh, people who understand electronics, mechanical, electrical, pneumatics, hydraulics. All of those systems, when they're integrated, leads to automation and robotics. Mm-hmm. So you need that higher education certificate in order to access some of these opportunities. And the other um, university that we partner with is Alfred State College. Alfred State College, not sure if you guys are aware of this, but um, consistently they've been ranked the number one college of technology in the United States. Their electrical program is number one in the country. The machining program is number one in the country. And the welding program is top 10. So these are college courses that lead to SUNY certificates, SUNY degrees that will prepare um, participants and completers for outstanding careers for a long time. So that the um, joining with Alfred State and ECC, that was something that you guys did from Jump Street that was very intentional. Um, one of my philosophies is do what you do best and partner for the rest. Um, as the training center, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, we have outstanding um, professional staff focused on outreach, focused on recruiting, focused on wraparound services. We partner with the colleges to deliver the technical training. They have industry experts. They have professors. Uh, they have the capability, the curriculum to train the next generation of workers. And then we have the ability to place those workers in employment opportunities with some of our partner companies. So it's a a match made in heaven. It didn't start out that way. Of course, we had our growing pains, but now we're operating efficiently, effectively, and producing high quality results. So not only are you building up students to enter the workforce, but you're, you're building up you know, your professors and, and, and teachers as well. Yeah, it was interesting because just last night um, I was at a at a, a dinner, right, um, and I ran into one of our graduates. Uh, I didn't know who he was because he's, you know, clean-shaven now. He looked a lot different, <laughs> you know, from four years ago. And uh, he's now working at Steuben Foods, making $64,000 a year. And one of the things I talked to him about was, um, hey, would you like to come back and become a professor, become an instructor. We've already had several individuals graduate from our program, go out to industry, and now they're coming back to become instructors. And we're really developing our own pipeline. And it's critically important because uh, most of the the instructors are, you know, um, male, Caucasian. Mm -hmm. So develop a, a pipeline of diverse talent not only to fill those jobs, but to come back as instructors is definitely something that we're, we're focused on as well. As of June of 2022, your completion rate was 65%. Correct. Very high, very yes. high. Um, but how are you looking to improve on that number? Yeah, um, and let me fo- go back to that number you said, 60, yes. 65%. What does, that, what does that mean? That means that 65% of the students who start our program complete our program. And that sounds like it's an okay number. Right. But when you compare our completion rate 
to the average completion rates of community colleges from across the country, we're double the national average. Wow. Not only double the national average, we're triple the average of the local community college. So we have demonstrated that embedding intense wraparound services with the delivery of technical training leads to high completion rate. Not only are we graduating students at a high rate, we're placing over 82% of our graduates into jobs uh, with an average salary of about 41000 And since we opened in 2018, that's had an economic impact of over $42 million being added back into our local economy. Do you go across the country to different cities, different universities, with and, 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 and talk to them about what you've done, about this plan that's working so well here? We have. Um, we've traveled a lot across the state, some across the country. I presented in Detroit. I presented in New Orleans. I presented in Tennessee. I presented in Ohio. So it's really catching on. And, um, again, our model, you know, really focuses on providing those wraparound services, um, connecting graduates to resources that they need, whether it's transportation, mental health, substance abuse, um, child care, housing. These are all the things that will impact someone's ability to complete post-secondary education. But we also prioritize and focus on job placement. We're not going to enroll you, train you in a program, and then hope that you get a job. Right. We're responsible for placing you in a job, and that's why our placement rates are so high. And and not only, you know, placing someone in a job, but making sure that job also is like a pipeline, you know, upwards, right? Yeah, and, and we, 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 we work with several companies here in West New York, and um, one of the things that we try to focus on when we're developing our relationships with our partner companies is identifying those employers of choice, mm -hmm. those employers that create a, a welcoming workplace culture that's accepting to diverse populations, that is supportive of graduates, not only coming in an entry-level roles, but advancing within those companies. So that's also a focus of ours as well. And Northland was, was praised in a report published in November by the School of Urban Studies at uh, University of Washington Tacoma for being innovative in the area of of inclusion. Yeah. Um, the report states that for decades there's been privilege within urban development strategies. You say not so much privilege, but it's a it's a issue of access. Now, what might that look like for those of us who may not understand? Well, first, just on the location where Northland Workforce Training Center, where we are located, we're located in East Buffalo. Mm -hmm. In East Buffalo, that's been an area that um, has seen some disinvestment over the years, and we're just now starting to reinvest to revitalize um, that area, not only with training centers, but um, trying to re rebuild Jefferson Avenue. Right. The majority of some of the employment opportunities are outside of that area, so we wanted to create access to opportunities. We know that these are great jobs, $70,000 average salaries. We know that there's a high number of jobs, 3,000 job openings right now. But if you look at the diversity of employees working in production, it's less than 20%. If you look at the diversity of women working in production, it's less than 5%. Wow. If you look at the enrollment at Northland, our uh, people of color percentage is 55%. Our female enrollment is around 8%. It's not where we want it to be, mm -hmm. but it's greater than what the average production um, demographics look like now. So creating that access to opportunities, connecting East 
outside residents to jobs that lead to pathways to the middle class is literally transformative for these individuals and these families. You're listening to What's Next with Stephen Tucker, the president and CEO of the Northland Workforce Training Center. We'll be back right after this. Experience the magic of the classic It's a Wonderful Life as a live radio play. Buffalo Toronto Public Media and Niagara University's Theatre Department present this heartwarming tale of community on Saturday, December 16th. Join us at our downtown studio for a unique performance filled with music, voice actors, and fully sound effects, just like the golden age of radio. Attend either a dress rehearsal at 11 a.m. or the final taping at 4 p.m. Tickets are $15. Get yours now at wned.org events. Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and of course, birds. Come along with us, won't you, Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rawson, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rhinestein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to wned.org front slash birding. Hey, is this thing on? Test, test, one, two. Sounds great. Let's go. The podcast world is overflowing with more than 750,000 podcasts to choose from. But for great local podcasts, you can now go to one place, the new Amplify BTPM Pods app. Here you can discover content produced in Western New York and Southern Ontario, our own backyard. With a wide variety of genres to choose from, there is something for everyone. Listen to the best independently produced podcast in the region anywhere, anytime. Download the free Amplify BTPM Pods app wherever you get your apps and begin exploring your local podcast community now. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And we're back with What's Next. Thomas O'Neill White here with Stephen Tucker, the president and CEO of the Northland Workforce Training Center creating a manufacturing ecosystem in Northland in the Northland Beltline is more than just you know um, it's more than just the workforce you want to spur economic development in that area yeah the um, the whole concept for Northland Workforce Training Center was born out of the Regional Economic Development Council that was formed here in Western New York back in 2011. Um, at that time, the council identified three strategies that we wanted to focus on to prioritize economic development investments. Those strategies were placemaking. How do we invest in places where we can leverage, leverage assets in the community to have the biggest asset, the biggest impact on people? Mm -hmm. Also, innovation. How do we support the small businesses uh, to create jobs, to uh, support our economy moving forward. And you can't have any effective economic development strategy without a workforce development strategy. Um, and with that, 
the state through the Buffalo Billion invested $65 million to revitalize the Northland Corridor. And it's more than just training. Right. Um, one of the things that we added was um, a restaurant, Manor at Northland. They are now providing high-quality food, a place where Eastside residents can go and fellowship and get great food in a great environment and a great atmosphere. Uh, Bank on Buffalo, they moved in there providing financial services for Eastside residents. Uh, Retech Systems, that's a new company who relocated to the Beltline from California, creating additional jobs along with Rodriguez Construction, um, Garwood Medical Devices. So it's more than just training. We're actually creating jobs as well as resources in the Northland Beltline. Talk to me a little bit about building relationships. I mean, you listed a number of people that uh, when you when you came on when you came aboard, and and the Northland Training Center was uh, getting in motion. You listed off a number of 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 local groups, local businesses um, that were you know partners. Yeah, our, our founding members really consisted of the Buffalo Urban League. Catholic Charities, as well as Goodwill Industries, uh, they came together to rebirth a dormant nonprofit called the Economic Development Group. So our official name is the Economic Development Group doing business as Northern Workforce Training Center. In addition, uh, we wanted to have an industry partner because everything we do is driven by business and industry. Mm -hmm. um, and the Buffalo Niagara Manufacturing Alliance, they are an industry association consisting of 200 small, medium, and large-sized employers who all have members that need employees. Those 200 members have over 20,000 job openings, right? Um, so collectively, we came together along with Alfred State and um, SUNY Community College to deploy this strategy, and it's been effective ever since. Was it easy for, to get that buy-in from them? <laughs> Definitely not easy, um, but we were able to come together, and now we're operating more efficiently and effectively. Interestingly enough, some of the most difficult individuals to get the buy-in from was from the community um, because um, Buffalo is a, is, a, is a cynical city, right? Yeah. We, we have to see it to believe it. And even when we see it, we're not going to buy into it unless we see people who look like us or look like members of the community benefiting from it. Right, and I was going to ask you, like, you, they, you had to have run into a lot of naysayers. Ran into a lot of naysayers. Uh, there was there was a lot of community activists who, even though we were making this investment, felt like people of color and Eastside residents wouldn't be able to benefit. And even after we opened, they felt like, oh, okay, people are not going to get jobs. And even after we started placing people in jobs, well, people are not going to last in their jobs. But slowly and over time, we've built that trust in the community. Um, and we allow community members to utilize the center, a brand new $65 million facility, to fellowship, to have community events, to have community meetings. We're more than just a training center. We're a place where the community can gather. We have different events such as Christmas parties. Uh, we have Halloween parties. We do Thanksgiving giveaways. Uh, we have Food Truck Thursdays engaging the community um, in East Buffalo. So we're more definitely more than just a training center. And you and I, we are not, we're not from Buffalo. I, I do. I, I recall you're from I'm Cincinnati. From, I'm from Cincinnati. Cincinnati Ohio, yes. And I'm from Louisville. Okay. So, so, and, and it's, you know, the longer you live here, 
I think the better you understand why why they call this place the city of good neighbors, community is so important here. Community is definitely so important, but I also think that um, unfortunately Buffalo has a, a history of racism, a history of segregation, um, and we had we have to deal with that, mm-hmm. and we are dealing with that, and I think that's what led to the cynicism that we ran into. Right. But now we are starting to overcome that. Um, are we there where we want to be? Definitely not. But I think we're definitely on our way. I want to just read a quote that you had that's that's on on our on your website. Um, what we want to be doing is more intentional inclusion and upskilling of machinists that are coming out of Northland uh, to then be upskilled into automation a few years down the road so we can continue that career upward mobility of folks so that they cannot just become people that are making a living wage, but the ones that are becoming innovators. Where, where is that born from? Um, just my, my goal of creating access to opportunities for all people, right? Um, I, 10 years ago, I never dreamed that I would be the president of a training center, right? Um, but there was someone who believed in me. There was someone who mentored me, who gave me that access that I needed to develop professionally. Mm-hmm. And I was prepared when this opportunity presented itself. And that's what we want to do at Northern Workforce Training Center. We want to prepare individuals for what's next. Our tagline is actually train and prepare for what's next. And that's really what we're focused on. What will it take for Buffalo to regain its status as a vibrant manufacturing sector? I think we're already on our way. Uh And um, the evidence is um, a couple of years ago, we received funding from um, an Economic Development Administration grant called Build Back Better. Build Back Better was focused on revitalizing communities um, as well as propping up the manufacturing assets in those communities. A couple of organizations who benefited from Build Back Better was the Buffalo Urban Development Corporation. They are revitalizing parcels of industrial space in East Buffalo, preparing them for manufacturing companies to create jobs. Also, Goodwill Industries. Goodwill Industries, they're a partner of ours. They have a good skills program preparing entry-level workers to enter the talent pipeline. And the other partner that benefited from um, the Build Back Better investment, which was $25 million, mm-hmm. by the way, wow. was the Buffalo Manufacturing Works. They are also located within the Northland Corridor. And collectively, the Northland Workforce Training Center, Buffalo Manufacturing Works, Insight Consulting, um, and the Buffalo Niagara Manufacturing Alliance, we want to create what we're calling the Advanced Manufacturing and Clean Energy Corridor right on the Northland Beltline campus. How close are we to closing the skills gap? I know that's that's everyone's always talking about that. You've had you've talked about that a lot. Um, where are we right now? I think we got a long way to go. I uh-huh. think we have a plan. I think we've created career pathways. Officially, the skills gap um, in West New York is around twenty thousand in the next ten years. Three thousand job openings right now across the country is two million. Wow. To really close the skills gap, we really need an all-hands-on-deck approach, not just the Northern Workforce Training Centers, but we need Northern Workforce Training Center. We need BOCES. BOCES are CTE programs for um, individuals attending um, 
um, sub- suburban school districts. Mm-hmm. We need Buffalo Public Schools with their career tech education programs. Uh, we need SUNY Erie. We need Alfred State. We need all of the workforce trainers to come together to play a role in building a pipeline to close that skills gap. How do other entities such as government play a role in that? So um, government play a significant role in making these investments in institutions, in people. Philanthropy also plays a significant Mm -hmm. role, as well as the private sector. The private sector, um, which is businesses who are actually hiring our graduates, they can't grow their businesses if there's not talent to... um, assist them with manufacturing their products or working in their facilities. So it really takes an all hands on deck approach. How do you do outreach? Um, given the lack of awareness locally about these career opportunities, I know in a, in a, in a previous, uh, what's next, uh, episode, you, you compared it to, to football, a ground in the air attack. Yeah. You remember that? I do. So, uh, <laughs> one of the things about, about, Outreach and awareness is that it's critically important because people drive past these manufacturing facilities every day. Yeah, People drive past Tesla in South Buffalo unaware that they're making um, solar shingles, right? Renewable energy solar shingles being sold across the world. People drive past General Motors in Tonawanda unaware that they make Corvette engines. A Corvette, a Corvette is my favorite car. Yeah, They're making the engine right here in, in Buffalo. People drive past Harmac, which is a medical device company in East Buffalo. They don't have any idea that they're making a product that's making the quality of life better for individuals throughout the world. And the individuals working in those facilities are making seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year. They're making a great wage. So we need to raise awareness that these careers and these companies exist here. And once we raise awareness, we then need to encourage individuals if they're interested to pursue their training at Northland Workforce Training Center. Northland has received some some funding, some some grants from the state. Um, I believe it's o- over two million uh, from two different grants through the Office of Strategic Workforce Development, um, and part of that money will go to the development of a clean technology training lab. Oh, what what is that, and what's its purpose? So, clean technology. Um, have you heard of a smart building, a smart commercial building, or just imagine when you go into buildings that are recently constructed, um, you can walk in and the lights turn on, mm-hmm. or um, you can, there's a lot of automation in these facilities, yes, right? Yeah. These facilities are very energy efficient, right? They use multiple energy sources, whether it's solar, whether it's wind, whether it's heat pumps. Um, so smart technology is the newest technology that um, we are training and preparing individuals for solar, wind, battery storage, um, microgrids, electric vehicles, electric vehicle charging stations. Um, We want to position Buffalo and West New York as a hub where individuals can access these careers. And with the funding from the Office of Strategic Workforce Development, we're actually going to construct a smart commercial building within Northland Workforce Training Center to train the next generation of workers with that talent. What are some of the obstacles that you've run into um, over the last six years, five, six years. Sure. There's been a few, 
that's a that's a great question because whenever you are implementing a new strategy, there's always naysayers. Um, but my philosophy, I mentioned before, do what you do best, partner for the rest, but also building the coalition of the willing, right? Mm-hmm. And with the coalition of the willing, everybody like-minded, open-minded with a collaborative approach, focused on outcomes and having an impact not only for the people who we are training, but for the businesses that we're preparing them for, getting those small wins, getting people to graduate, getting people to come back and become instructors, helping people achieve a family sustainable wage, helping individuals advance in their careers. And as we get those small wins, we build the momentum. But to answer your question specifically, um, some of the challenges that we faced was just demonstrating and proving that this concept could work because yeah. it had never been done before. Talk to me a little bit about um, this tech hub status. Um, you briefly mentioned it just a, a minute ago, but you know Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse was recently de- designated as a, a tech hub. Um, what does that mean for Buffalo, Western New York, and and kind of like this this region west of Syracuse? And a few a few minutes ago, you asked me a question. You know, how do we prop Buffalo up to? to be considered a manufacturing sector. And I mentioned that it's already happening. I mentioned Build Back Better. Tech Hubs is another example of that. Um, The Tech Hubs project is going to combine Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse to create a Tech Hub, Tech Hub of technology, really focused on semiconductor manufacturing. Um, There's a heavy push with the CHIPS Act to onshore meaning bringing the manufacturing and the production of microchips from China, from overseas, back to the United States. And normally, those types of resources or those types of hubs are in Silicon Valley, right? When you right, look at technology. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't it be New York State? Specifically, why couldn't it be Syracuse, Buffalo, and Rochester? And now it is. Micron is um, creating um, a brand new facility in Syracuse, and they're going to need downstream suppliers to help manufacture semiconductors, and that's what Buffalo and Rochester is going to play in. So it's a huge designation, a huge opportunity for us in Western New York and those three cities. Now we just got to work diligently to make sure that we are prepared to take advantage of this opportunity. And just to play devil's advocate for a minute, I mean, there's people who will say, well, this place is not a a tech hub it doesn't need to be these these jobs can stay over on the west coast we need to be we need to be doing we need to be creating jobs that you know we had in the past or or that are that are more i don't know midwest uh uh rust belt centric what do you say to that i think my response is look at our history and look at our past Right. And this is what I mean by that. If you're not evolving as a region, you're going to be left behind. And I believe previously we didn't evolve quick enough Mm -hmm. in response to all the steel mills leaving in terms of all of the blue collar positions leaving. And it left a huge gap in our economy. We really want to be um, forward thinking. We really want to be thinking about the evolving economy and position ourselves to take advantage of these new opportunities because it's going to happen. Why not happen here in Buffalo, in Rochester, in Syracuse? 
You're listening to What's Next with Stephen Tucker, the president and CEO of the Northland Workforce Training Center. We'll be back right after this. Hey, football fans. Check out the USA Wheelchair Football League Tournament presented by Buffalo Toronto Public Media. Cheer on our very own Buffalo Bills as they face off with the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Browns. Head to the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel to stream it now. The PBS NewsHour, continuing nearly 50 years of unbiased reporting. The speech fits the foundation for Democrats as they push for voting rights. The protesters have not yet been moved, basically having their run of the place. Covering a broad range of stories. You've got less rain here now, too, right? They're running out of water. What's it like on that stage? There's this magic. I'm Amna Nawaz. And I'm Jeff Bennett. Join us every weeknight on the PBS NewsHour. Listen weeknights at 8 on WBFO, your NPR station. It's Reading Rainbow's 40th anniversary, and we're celebrating by releasing 40 full episodes of the classic PBS children's series. Look for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday through February on the Reading Rainbow YouTube channel. They'll be available for a limited time, so subscribe so you don't miss any. Unsettling research on prejudice. I'm Bob Hershon, and this is Science Update. 20 years ago, researchers created a video game to match faces with words. They found that white players can easily pair white faces with good words and black faces with bad words, but slow way down when trying to pair white faces with bad words and black faces with good ones. Researcher Mazarin Banaji says that even she and her colleagues, Anthony Greenwald and Brian Nozek, had this unsettling tendency. It put us in a two-by-two box and didn't let us escape. It said, Mazarin, sit here and confront this. They called the effect implicit bias and found that it's not as black and white as it first appeared. Implicit bias can be found in everyone, and today, many organizations are working to address it. The scientists recently received the Golden Goose Award for unusual research that led to groundbreaking results. I'm Bob Hershon for AAAS, the Science Society. This is the Buffalo Toronto Public Media History Bite, bringing you a peek into significant historical events for the week of December 4th through December 10th. I'm your host and program director, Tom Barich. December 4th, 1939. The Buffalo Sabres have this day to commemorate because this was the day that the American Hockey League grants an, at the time, unnamed franchise to the city of Buffalo. A big happy birthday goes out to Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls, who was born on December 5th, 1965. And let's stick with performing arts for a while because quite a few high-profile artists performed in Western New York on the date of December 6th starting with none other than dancer and choreographer Martha Graham, who performed at the State Teachers Auditorium on the campus of Buffalo State on December 6, 1935. The Belfast Cowboy Van the Man Van Morrison gave a performance at the Clark Gym on the campus of SUNY Buffalo, December 6, 1970, and the First Lady of Song, Ella Fitzgerald, performed at Kleinhans Music Hall on December 6, 1974. And here's a very recent one that is still making news. December 9th, 2021, the Elmwood Avenue Starbucks becomes the first unionized Starbucks in the nation. You've been listening to the WBFO History Bite. Discover more stories about Western New York's past on the Buffalo History Museum's website. Learn more at buffalohistory.org. For Buffalo Toronto Public Media, I'm Tom Barich. 
You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And we are back with Stephen Tucker, the president and CEO of the Northland Workforce Training Center. Um, one question. Um, can you walk us through like one or two typical paths a student may take um, when they when they, you know, apply for the Northland uh, Workforce Training Center? Yes. And we, we try to establish a, a user friendly process. Right. Um, that process starts with outreach and recruiting. You mentioned our football analogy in terms of our outreach and recruiting strategy, mm-hmm. meaning we have an air attack and a, and a ground yes. attack. That air attack is radio, um, is social media, is billboards. Uh, Deion Dawkins, he's our celebrity endorser, so we have radio advertisements running with Deion Dawkins. The ground attack is um, our recruiters in the schools, in the churches, in the community centers. Um, they um, encourage students to attend a pre-enrollment session. Pre-enrollment sessions are every Tuesday at 6, every Wednesday at 10, every Thursday at 4. That's the first step in the process where you can learn specific um, information about programs that we offer. The next step is um, you attend a, a, an admissions and financial aid uh, session with a, a, a counselor. Mm-hmm. This is because this is college. Right. right. You have to apply. You have to apply for financial aid. And 95 percent of the students who go to North and don't pay any money out of pocket. We level leverage multiple funding sources to pay the college tuition. Um, once an individual is accepted, they apply for one of the programs, electrical, mechatronics, um, welding as well as machining, and then they start their journey. We operate on a semester system, so classes start in January for the spring semester and in September for the fall semester, and classes are generally one year or two years in length. And and then from there, where you know, they're, they're get their class schedule. How, how long does it take them to graduate? Is this a, a year, two years, three years? There, um, we have two types of programs a one-year program which is basically eight months you start in september you graduate in may okay um and then we have two-year associate degree programs which are two-year programs you start in september you graduate in may the following year and once you complete your program of study we're not done with you yeah we work with you to place you with a with a career opportunity at one of our partner employers and we provide follow-up services for up to three years uh, once you graduate and complete our programs. Like you said, creating that pipeline and yeah. sustaining the pipeline. The the analogy I use, or not the analogy, but um, the ethos that I, I follow, one of them, I have a lot I've been talking about, yeah. <laughs> is uh, no excuses, just results, right? Uh-huh. Um, so we have all the resources necessary to support individuals in their education journey so much so we have an emergency fund that if you run into an emergency while you're going through the program you need financial assistance with housing with the car with the utility bill we have a 500 dollars wow. grant wow. that we can provide you and you don't even have to pay it back so we really focus on helping individuals achieve their career aspirations and goals as it relates to advanced manufacturing and clean energy 
How do you want a, a prospective student to feel when they walk in through the front door of the Northland Workforce Training Center? I'm really, really big on culture, organizational culture. We have core values of excellence, customer-centric, accountability, integrity. Um, we provide outstanding customer service. Uh, we want to create an in a physical environment where you want to be. It's a very clean facility. Um, our receptionist, our security provide outstanding customer service because we demand that, right? That's our expectation. Um, we return phone calls. We follow up on emails. There's no issue too small for us to respond to. And that is intentional from our leadership team. That's our approach. We want to offer a professional environment, um, a customer-centric environment to help individuals achieve their educational journeys. Talk to me a little bit about strengthening the engagement with the community because community is so important both in what you do and just how the area moves, how people in the area move. Yeah, again, we're more than just a training center, right? We really want to be a place where people can fellowship, where people can get information, where people can get resources, they can get a nice meal, they can get connected to financial resources. Um, we have community events almost every month. In the summer, we had food truck Thursdays where individuals can come and test drive a Tesla wow. uh, where they can learn about the training programs that we have. They can also access great food from food trucks. Um, this December, we're um, partnering with Dion's Dreamers. Dion's Dreamers is the nonprofit organization for Dion Dawkins. Dion Dawkins is an offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills. He's our celebrity endorser. Uh, so on December 12th, um, with Dion Dreamers and several other partners, we're having a holiday event where um, neighborhood residents can come, bring their kids. They can um, participate in different crafts and activities. They can have their picture taken for free with Santa and Mrs. Claus. Uh, we're going to give away hats. We're going to give away coats. We're going to give away toys. So it's just another way to engage the community right around us. You're, again, a Cincinnati guy. Yeah. Who's got a better shot at making the playoffs, Bills or Bengals? Unfortunately, right now, for me, I'm going to have to say I think the Bills because Josh Allen, right? Right. Realistically, Joe Burrow is not playing. I hope they make the playoffs, but I'll take a, a, a Bills team with Josh Allen over a, a, a Bengals team without a, Joe Burrow. Yeah, a Burrow is yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, talk to me a little bit about this Advanced Manufacturing Tech Coalition. Yeah, so um, we recently announced the formation of an Advanced Manufacturing and Tech Coalition. Um, the focus is going to be to uh, develop career pathways in the advanced manufacturing and tech sector. Tech being defined as information technology jobs and tech-enabled jobs. Tech-enabled jobs are IT individuals working in manufacturing or IT individuals working in finance or hospitality or healthcare. Okay. It's all IT, yes. but they're tech-enabled. Uh, that's a, a sector that has 10,000 job openings right now. Wow. So with the formation of this coalition, it consists of 13 members, workforce investment boards, workforce trainers such as BCAT, which is the Buffalo Center for Arts and Technology, 
uh, Perscolis, which is a new IT training program here locally, Jamestown Community College, other members uh, working with employers to just make sure that we're developing career pathways to, to, to fill those job opportunities and another initiative focused on closing the skills gap. We believe that as a workforce intermediary, we can go further faster if we collaborate and work together. And this coalition is really going to be focused on that. Where do you see Northland in the next five to 10 years from now? Um, that's interesting because we just celebrated our five-year anniversary, right? We're literally five years old. We're yeah. like a toddler, right? <laughs> but in the next five years, ironically, we just completed our new five-year strategic plan. Shout out to Catapult um, and John Como and Sarah Gilson. They helped us um, complete our five-year strategic plan. And with our plan, we're focused on increasing enrollment by 60%. How are we going to do that? We're going to add new programs. We're going to optimize our existing programs. We're going to focus on retention as well as completion and job placement. Some of the new programs we're going to add, we're going to add an auto technology program in partnership with SUNY Erie. Uh, there's a huge demand for auto techs. And auto techs, um, they have transferable skills into other manufacturing occupations, as well as the clean tech program that we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. focused on renewable energy. We're also going to add training for HVAC. HVAC is heating, ventilating, and air conditioning with a focus on heat pumps um, and renewable energy. Um, those programs will be one-year certificate programs, again, focused on getting people in and out into the workforce quicker. And we are going to add a new CNC which is computer numerically controlled machining short-term micro-credential program to build a pipeline for machine operators. So in five years, we, we look to increase enrollment by 60%, optimize existing programs. If we're able to do that, if we're able to place the number of individuals who we're projecting to graduate into jobs, that's gonna add around $250 million back into our economy aggregated wow. over the last 10 years with the economic impact of about $500 million in the next five years. So we're very excited about that plan and looking forward to implementing it. Immediate one to two year goals. One to two year goals. We got to build out our clean tech lab. We got to build out our auto tech lab. We got to get those programs launched. We received funding from the state to do that. Um, and that's what we're really focused on as well as launching the manufacturing and tech coalition. How do you feel being, you know, being a, a a black man in this community, doing what you're doing? It's got to feel good being I, a being a leader in this community. I feel blessed. Um, I feel blessed because, again, I'm from Cincinnati. Buffalo has really been the city of good neighbors. They have accepted me. Um, I'm now a Buffalonian, right? Um, Bills are my second team but I'm, I'm, I'm a Buffalonian. <laughs> um, I feel that I've been given an opportunity to have an impact, to do something I love, to help people who um, deserve an opportunity to have access to, to resources, to the American dream. So I really feel good about that, and I'm grateful to the city of Buffalo and West New York for giving me this opportunity. Did you, you I think you said earlier that 10 years ago, you didn't think you'd be in this position? Correct. 
Where 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 do you think you'd be? I don't know. I I I, I don't know. I, I I was an expert in workforce development, right? And an interesting thing about workforce development, how do we end up in workforce development, right? Right. There's not like a course you take in college. I'm gonna get a degree in workforce development, right? We end up in workforce development. Um, but I knew 10 years ago, based on my experience in workforce development, that I loved helping people and creating access to opportunities. I just didn't think I would be in a role um, of this magnitude having the impact that, that we're, we're having. Is Buffalo a lot like Cincinnati? <laughs> no. no. Uh, and I say that because um, <clears throat> I've been in workforce development now for over 20-something years and economic development as well. And in in my opinion, Buffalo has an affinity for its history. Buffalo has an affinity for architecture and the past. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Cincinnati, if you have a vacant building, um, they're going to knock it down and get it ready for a new parcel. In Buffalo, we're going to preserve it. We're going to restore it. We're going to revitalize it. Yes. And connect the new vision with our past history so they're different in that sense but they are the same in the sense that they want to have a strong thriving region that create inclusive opportunities for all of its people we've got five or six minutes left of this program uh, i want to ask you a, a broad question what do you think buffalo needs it needs a lot <laughs> well i think you know we need to continue building on the momentum that we've generated over the past five years. Um, I think we need to continue to invest in the assets in our community, the African-American Heritage Corridor, Jefferson Avenue. Um, We need to continue to build those bridges to overcome our history in terms of a segregated city, a racist city. Um, and I think we need to continue to focus on um, the city of good neighbors because we really are, we really, we really is the fo- the, the city of good neighbors. Um, last year when we had our big snowstorm, um, <clears throat> our neighbors they would come over and shovel our driveway. They would shovel out mm-hmm. our uh, sidewalk. Um, in Cincinnati, I usually didn't get this much snow, so I never knew what an ice dam was. <laughs> Right. I never knew I had to clear off my roof. Right. Right. It's going to cause damage. My my neighbors come over and they say, hey, you got to clear that out. So, uh, yeah, it's been great so far. You think you stay here? I'm here. I'm going to be here for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk to me real quick about um, I don't think we got into it that much. Just like recruitment through through BPS and the programs they have there through uh, Buffalo Public Schools. Yeah, so Buffalo Public Schools, they've been a great partner for Northland um, since our inception. They have several CTE programs. CTE is career tech education programs. So does BOCES. But specifically with Buffalo Public Schools, we have a couple of dual enrollment programs in partnership with Alfred State. I'm at Burgard for um, auto tech, for machining, for welding. Um, at South Park for mechatronics. At McKinley High School for electrical. Um, we have our outreach and recruiting specialists. They go out to the schools, they present to the students. We 
bus students over to learn more about these careers. We also have a summer program in partnership with Mayor Brown where we bring over 100 to 150 Buffalo Public School students, 9th through 12th grade, every summer. Okay. They're paid an internship. They're paid to be there. They rotate through all of our partner company. They rotate through all of our programs, and they visit all of our partner companies. Um, so those are some of the strategies that we've deployed with Buffalo Public Schools. Do you ever take a walk through the schools that, that have those programs? I have before, like, yes, of course. What does that look like? It looks almost like Northland. Right? Really? Yeah. Um, they have equipment very similar to ours. They have lab setups very similar to ours. Um, it's very refreshing and very energizing. What we need to do, though, is to encourage more students to take advantage of those career opportunities. All right. This has been What's Next. I'm Thomas O'Neill White, and I want to thank my guest today, the president and CEO of the Northland Workforce Training Center, doing really, really great things in the community. And, you know, it seems like there's a, uh, a rocket strapped to Northland because it's, it's up, 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 and up. And I, I know, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it, really, really proud of what you guys have been doing in this community. Stephen Tucker, President and CEO of Northland Training Center, thank you for being with us today. You're listening to WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. Explore the intersection of music and mental health with Mindful Music, hosted by mental health advocate and educator Carl Shalomar. Listen to guests share how they use music to express their inner nature and manage their emotional well-being. Listen to Mindful Music on Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 8 p.m. on WBFO. that lay down a backbeat. I'm Bob Hershon, and this is Science Update. For the palm cockatoo, being a rock star drummer is a great way to impress potential mates. This according to Australian National University evolutionary biologist Robert Heinzen, writing in the journal Science Advances. He and his colleagues observed that the birds grasped hard seed pods with one foot and used them to bang out rhythms, while others used sticks they broke off from trees. 
And in particular, we were fascinated to find that the tapping sounds were non-random and very regularly spaced, or in other words, rhythmic, just like in human music. While many birds show off their skill at singing melodies, and woodpeckers drum out percussive riffs to mark their territory, cockatoos are the first animals reported to use tools to make music. I'm Bob Hershon for AAAS, the Science Society.